America's game. Now, 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 stop humming this hair, everything done changed. That warp tool made you open your brain. Eric Vanek is here, so remember the name. Remember the name. He got the waiver wire for the week. Tell you who to start and who to give a seat. Dropping the podcast every week. You know the knowledge is elite. After the show, we gon' hold a Lombardi. Celebrating like we throwing a party. This the blueprint, and I know they gon' copy. Cause this is America's game huh. What is going on everybody? Welcome back to America's Game episode number 31 I'm your host Eric Vanek and you can follow me on Twitter at EricVanekNFL and this week, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Adam. What's going on, man? I tell you what, every time I see that, like, it just, Fizzle really outdid himself on that intro, man. He killed that Absolutely. shit. He destroyed it, bro. That was awesome. Yeah, and the guy who did the video, he did a good job, too. Yeah, that guy didn't do bad. Didn't do too bad. I mean, you got to come correct when the song is that correct, you know, like, it. Right. That gets me in the mood, man, to do America's game. Speaking of which, uh, thanks for having me on. What what uh what are you thinking? This time of year, man, it's like there's this dead period, but I feel like once this combine hits, which is literally this weekend, the dead period yeah. starts to feel like it comes out of the out of the dead period. All of a sudden things are back alive again. Yeah, I mean things are starting to kick up. I don't know if you've done any startups yet, but I'm in uh I've done mm-hmm. one, I'm in one. Are you? Okay. Uh, Dynasty Barry's got me in some are you doing the triple crown okay man barry barry's on barry's on me really wanting me to get into that and i i cut back some leagues so i'm trying to make sure i don't od it but i I might have to get in that triple crown especially here in the year in it dude yeah i've done done one startup so far so um it was fun that that was like immediately after the season finished too yeah i've done um high stakes draft I've done uh, an FFPC draft, like best ball for uh, the year. I've done uh, an underdog draft the other day just for shits and giggles. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just dabbling in a little here, a little there, a little diff- redraft, a little dynasty. Yeah. Um, just kind of keep it, keeping the brain working, see where people go, who's too high, who's too low, you know, all that kind of shit. Yeah, man, absolutely. I love I loved to hear it. Um, you have to let me know how this startup goes that you're in right now. Are you, are you currently like doing it now? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was a MFL league that we, uh, decided to move over to sleeper just because. Cause you're smart. It's well, that, <laughs> and it's hard to get new players for MFL. Honestly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that sucks and all, but it is what it is. So it's just a little harder to, to fill MFL orphans. So this league had like seven or eight. Well, it had like six, and then it ended up being eight because we switched to sleeper, and these people didn't want to switch to sleeper. Gotcha. Shout out to Mike, by the way, for getting me more liking sleeper again since he showed me this, uh, this blue stacks and how to um, – get like the mobile stuff onto my actual computer and i can navigate it like it's like on it's, my computer yeah. like it's on my phone you know so yeah, yeah shout out to mike for that that has turned me around on sleeper at least um, love to hear that there's still some shit you know that i don't really care for but 
that's just like little nitpick shit, you know? Right, yeah. So how it is now, I can actually do my best ball leagues, which are most of my sleeper leagues now, on the computer. So I'm like, okay, I'm fine now. I won't complain and bitch about (laughs) sleeper as much as I used to. Right. But, um, yeah, so so we, we restarted this league just because there was so many people... There was like, you know, eight or nine of the 14 were um, new people. I'm like, we might as well just restart this whole thing. And so we all kind of agreed, yeah, let's just restart it since there's so many new people. And then like some of the dispersal or uh, teams that were in the league wanted to throw their teams in the dispersal like I did. So we just all decided, let's just restart, redraft the whole thing. So um, we did the Derby. I think I ended up with the third pick of the Derby and somehow they let me have 101. It was third Whoa. round reversal, all that wow. stuff. So, Let's get the 101. Yeah, so I'm like, thanks. I'll, I'll take Josh Allen. So if you look at the warp for this league, it's like pretty quarterback heavy. Running backs and wide receivers are really um, even. And then okay. the tight ends are like way down. Yeah. Way down. So I'm not even taking one until later. Is it um, best ball or lineup? It's lineup. Okay. Um, so, so far, I ended up with um, it was third round reversal, too. So. First pick, I took Josh Allen. Second pick came back to me. Um, obviously, a bunch of quarterbacks went. Um, so was, I decided between Justin Fields and Brock Purdy uh, were my two picks. It is a slight point per carry league. Um, and then kind of just looking at the warp per game, like Fields was quarterback 17 on the year and Purdy was like six. Yeah. But if you look at the warp per game, it was literally like a – Point seven different, point zero seven difference between the two because Field just when he starts he's so massive. Yeah. So right. I took I took Fields here hoping he's gonna go to a new spot he's gonna excel yeah. still gonna be able to run the ball so I started off just Josh Allen Justin Fields third round reversal came around so I obviously had to pick last in, in round three at uh, round three again right Brandon Ayuk and Jonathan Taylor were there I took both of those guys. I mean, I like the start already. So you you, yeah. you you doubled up at QB. You get Fields. You get um, Allen, and then you got you know your you got an RB one and a wide receiver one in my book too. Uh, around three, right. around four. So I think you're good, right. man. Yeah. So I did that, and then um, came back around again. I took Isaiah Pacheco as my RB two. Okay. And De- Devontae Adams was there. A lot of the you know all the young receivers went right before Jaden Reed's gone. JSN's gone. Jordan Addison. Metcalf, Zay Flowers, T. Higgins, Tank Dell, Drake London, Rasheed Rice, all those guys are gone. So, so J- it, Jaden Reed went in round five? Uh, round five, yes. Wow, bro. That, he, he is really starting to go high in startups, man. Holy yeah. crap. Well, this is a 14-teamer. so you know. Oh, I didn't realize teams. it was 14-team. Okay, that yeah, makes a lot more teams. sense. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, it went actually in round five. Jaden Reed, George Pickens, Debo Samuel went all in that round. So all those guys were okay. gone. So that makes Devontae sense. Adams was still there in round six, man. And I'm like, people listen, man, people hate age right now. You know, yeah. people hate age right now the, it makes a lot more sense at 14 teams. Cause that's like round a lot. A lot of those guys are more round six in the 12 team. Uh, but yeah, right. I like it. What's crazy is to think in a 14 team that you still got, IU can Taylor. Uh, wow. That's right. really good. And in 14 teams to be able to grab, your second quarterback when you have the one on one is uh is pretty good. Like that shows you that people are kind of really really sleeping on fields right now. We're basically worried about the in- instability of where he's going to land. Right. Um. And then, like I said, I took Pacheco and Adams. 
I really like Adams. I mean, I know he's 31, but, like, that guy just gets open, you know? He's just yeah. so damn good. His target share is always going to be up there. Like, if Travis Kelsey can play till he's 35, I'm pretty sure Devontae Adams can play till he's 35. So I still think I have another two, maybe three really good years out of Adams. They might not be elite years, but they're going to be damn good Solid, years. yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think when your calling card is that you're like a route-running savant to the point where he is, you right. probably will age better um, because – even though you might, you know, lose a step here or there, like your technical route running skills, I think is the thing that props a guy like him up. Look at a guy like Keenan Allen too, right? Like as he gets older, he already wasn't the most athletic guy coming out and he is still like evolving pretty well because he's a route running guy. So right. um, I, I think the main thing with Adams will be, so f- for me, the, the falling off a cliff thing can happen one of two ways. It's not necessarily that they are going to like all of a sudden their production goes down, but like with the, the main thing with Adams is to your point, if he can stay on the field, I feel really good. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy as you get older. A lot of times they just don't recover and they tend to get injured as 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 the uh, the age piles up. So for me, it's not really if he's on the field or uh, when he's on the field, he's not going to perform. It's can he stay healthy? And if he stays healthy, I think he'll still be at minimum a wide receiver two in dynasty Absolutely. for another year or two minimum. You know, I agree. Uh, so the one I was debating with with Adams was Diggs. Diggs was still out there too. I just you think took Adams I over like, Diggs. Interesting. No way I do that. Wow. Even, even, even with Josh Allen, too. Right. Remember that. Wow. So I, I just think Devontae Adams, I think he produces more. <clears throat> and I, I'm a little just bit scared of Diggs, just like the way he ended the year. Like, it all coordinated with Joe Brady taking over as the offensive coordinator. Diggs' stats went in the fucking shitter. Well, it, it, it's interesting you brought that up because I, I watched uh, – so Matt Harmon – has been did some interviews with some receivers actually and uh-huh. he he talked with Diggs and Diggs was talking about this and it was just to me it really highlighted the difference and it's funny you brought up the the change in, in the way that they're running the offense because for the first half of the season Diggs was actually on track to be the best receiver he'd ever been in fantasy yeah, and absolutely. then and then they switched the offense and it what you what I got out of that interview and kind of what I was what I was seeing I absolutely am scared of a guy that can go that cold for that long, right? I, I won't right. I won't say I'm not. But I also think like shoot man, they were they totally changed everything. And you think it they started winning because in a way they were having Allen throw a little bit less and just the, the entire offense yeah, was James Cook started cooking. Exactly. James Cook was cooking. Mike loved it, right? Mike finally <laughs> got to see some James Cook out there. But the thing about it to me is Diggs still like he didn't he wasn't, I think, looking slow or like he was a bad receiver. You just talk about the situation changed on a dime. But I still think the guy that was elite for the first half of the year is the talent that Diggs is. Now, the situation could be the same going into this year. But there's also, I think, a lot of uncertainty as far as uh, where he's going to end up and stuff. Mm. And just and if you think about this, right, let's say, let's say it was just a happy medium of the two. I mean, Eric, the guy had almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. While doing nothing for half a season, yeah. So, yeah, I, sure. to me, I'm I'm I would have probably taken Diggs over Adams, but I have him. I think right now, let me just check here. So I, I do mean, have him in different tiers. I have I have Diggs at the back of my tier three, and I have Adams at tier four. But I have him different by three or four spots. Like I'm not. I don't. Right. I don't think it's crazy. The one thing I do think though is you get an extra year out of Diggs, um, just age wise. Adams is a year older, and if I'm gonna go 
the age route, I would probably take that year discount. Okay. And another thing too, I looked at was uh, I just went to Fantasy Pros kind of see what their twenty twenty four okay you know, season ranks were right. And Adams was tenth, and Diggs was like twenty fourth. Whoa, people! So it's a big difference between the two. I'm very man. It that is that is interesting to me. Can I tell you right now? I'm already just. I might go snooping around. I might go doing some yeah. sni- some some trading, like proposing. See if I can find any of these scared managers on Diggs. Yeah, I think it's because I was one of them. Like, I don't want to say I'm like. I think he's still going to be a really good receiver. I just, I just think Adams <clears throat> has the ability to be a multi, you know, ten touchdown, twelve hundred yard guy every year. You know, right? So. No, and, and I think, I think at this point too, right? You're betting on, you're just playing redraft right there, right? Like, wh- which right. one Pretty between much. the two am I figuring out is going to be the better of the two this season? And if you say you right. think it's Adams, that's, I got no problem with it. And then um, this morning, I came, I was back up on the clock when I woke up this morning. Um, the running backs that were left to me were like the Camara, Mixon, DeAndre Swift type players. Sure. Um, not necessarily guys I like excited to draft. But then I went over the wide receivers and were you know getting down to like the guys. Are you talking like don't... Jacoby Myers type territory already? Yes, like... we're getting in that territory. So. Before me, Cooper Cup went, Terry McLaurin went, Amari Cooper went, Christian Watson went. Yeah, so that was so, like the last of these really, you know, these these guys. So tier so four is I, already gone for me, and then now you're into tier five, which I I start looking like you said, Christian Watson already gone, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Jacoby Myers, all those guys still out there. Absolutely. So yeah. I took Christian Kirk and I took Deontay Johnson. I like that, honestly. Um, in a 14, see, the other thing, too, about a 14 team league to remember. Now, granted, you got to look at warp um, specifically on these, but you talk about Christian Kirks and Deontay Johnsons. And now, these are guys that you're going to see that I have a lot of shares of. Now, another yeah. thing is, I have a lot more best ball leagues than lineup leagues. So mm-hmm. I, I, I care a lot more about having those type of receivers. But I look at it similarly in 14 team lineup where part of the game, as it's spread that thin, because you, you, everybody is going to be spread across an extra two teams. Like, having guys like Deontay Johnson and Christian Kirk are huge as injuries start to pile up and bye weeks come in for All those 14-team right. leagues. So I, I really like those two picks, man. Yeah. And then the other, my other thinking was there was – I mean, I named off some of the running backs there. Swift, Najee, Kamara, Mixon, Montgomery, Javante Williams – you know, the list goes on and on. Aaron Jones, Jalen Warren, James Conner. There's a shit ton of running backs left. So I was like, right. let me get my two receivers that I like now because by the time it gets back to me, it's going to be poopy. So I'm going to take take these wide receivers and I'll get a running back or two when it comes back to me. Love that. Yeah, I think we're so. on. I think you're on a good start. Speaking of which, it's funny we were talking about the running backs because, uh, you know, I think that was going to be what we talk about for the majority of today. Absolutely. So we just finished up quarterback month here on America's Game, and we are now beginning running back month. So uh, you'll have myself on here for the rest of the month. I'll have Adam on, obviously, this week. Uh, Christian will be on. Cooper will be on. Uh, We'll get Fizzle back on uh, to fill out the rest of the month here. But, yeah, we're just going to be talking about running backs um, for the rest of the month, man. So Let's do it, man. I tell you what, you, you, you did well. Um, I have converted away from being as much of a running back lover, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm always down to talk some running back stuff, man. 
Yeah, I mean, they're still an important position in Dynasty, so it's not like it's, you know, we can't not talk about it. So. You got to talk about them, man. Yeah. Um, all right, so my Tier 1. I have four guys in my Tier 1. So I have B. John Robinson, Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, and Christian McCaffrey. And I believe, yeah, you have the same Tier 4. It's just we're swapped on positions a little bit. I actually, too, um, this is something I'm actually going through and updating. I did not catch. So for me, um, I am, that's all the same tier for me. I oh. will say that uh, right now I actually am switching currently what my rankings look like. But Bijan's one for me still. Honestly, okay. it's by a hair. Um, I really strongly could make the case for Jameer Gibbs. Um, I think the way he's going to be used, the type of opportunities he's going to get in this Detroit offense, I feel like awesome about. Now, mm-hmm. while I say that, um, B. John Robinson, I expect with a new situation with uh, the coaching change and hopefully with the quarterback change, like you put that dude out there with a, in a better like environment where they're actually using him like they should, I, I'm still going to take B. John ahead of him. But it's uh, right. B. John one for me, Gibbs two, Brees three, and then McCaffrey four. I think here, here's the thing. This time of year right now, is I've got to re- be reflective of that. As we get into the season, or the start of the year, like it's September, August, I think McCaffrey could end up making it higher in his ranks for me. Um, but right now, it's just this time of year, McCaffrey is such a locked-in asset. Like He's so yeah. hard to move this time of year. So um, yeah. that's why I put him at the back of the tier. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so we only just have Jameer and Brees swapped um, uh, between So you got Brees at two? Yeah, I have Brees two and Gibbs at three. So, I mean, I can honestly, they're literally in the same tier. I can flip-flop that any day. So, mm-hmm. not like I hate, oh, my God, I hate Jameer Gibbs or anything. Sure, yeah, no. Nah. Um, I just think, so, let's talk a little bit about why we have Bijan, the number one guy. Okay, let's do it. So, for me, kind of looking at this new offense, uh, with Zach Robinson as offensive coordinator, you have Raheem Morris as the new head coach. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to be bringing this Ram style of offense to Atlanta. Look at what the hell Kyron Williams just did, um, yeah, and, and with the Rams last year. And now you know Kyron, I think that's the same draft class. Like he definitely wasn't anywhere close to the athlete that Bijan Robinson is. Kind of projecting Bijan in that same offense maybe getting the same kind of workload that Kyron did. Um, God damn, man. Bijan could have a massive season. So I, I am super excited to have him up there. Sure. Now, yeah, I mean, well, to the point you just made, I mean, if, if you told me that Bijan Robinson, just forget schemes, forget everything. If you told me that Bijan Robinson was in this range where Kyron even is, let's not even say he's that high, but let's say it's like he's in that top – 10 honestly of opportunities mm-hmm. per game which basically is going to put him in like 18 touches a game mm-hmm. forget it man like Bijan with that amount of opportunities like honestly forget anybody else he's right I don't know that anyone would be able to beat him in points per game um now the, the the big thing for me is that I definitely agree with that assessment my biggest problem is just going to be I hope so but will the new like the, will this coaching staff change just kind of put Algier more in that 30 percent role 20 percent role like I don't know if they're gonna kind of yeah that's what I was thinking about I mean I know the Rams didn't have 
a backup running back that was worth a shit. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, they had Cam Akers at the beginning of the year, but then... Cam know, Akers basically was done after week one, right? And then, right, and then you had, like, Zach Evans never even came into anything. Yeah. Um, uh, and as soon like as Kyron got hurt that time... For, yeah. yeah, they had to go to the... They went to the couch, man. So, yeah. they just didn't have, I think, a, a, a viable running back, too, that McVay trusted. So, I mm-hmm. think, like, with Algier there... That's why I say the opportunities probably I don't think will be as high as Kyron's. But if it's even close, if you're telling me he's getting 17, 18 opportunities a game, he's in the top 10 again, guy like him, it could be, you know, ceiling is the roof, so to speak. Absolutely. And then with Brees and Gibbs at two and three, I think just for me, I think I have Brees above Gibbs just for the fact that there isn't anybody else there behind Brees, really. Okay. I mean, they have a Banacanda. Michael Carter got traded or cut. Uh, Dalvin Cook's gone. So, uh, sure, could they bring in somebody? Yeah. But I think right now it's Brees Hall kind of getting that same load that I'm expecting Bijan to get, whereas Gibbs is going to you know, succeed a little bit to, uh, to David Montgomery a little bit still. Like, David Montgomery's not going away. That's, that's going to be a one-two punch there for Detroit. So I'll give Brees just a slight nod just because he's the only show in town right now. Okay. I, I, I can kind of get behind that, and he's coming off of uh, the, you know, last year he was coming off the injury. This year you're thinking he's going to be, you know, even more right, uh, a, mm-hmm. year, a full year removed from the ACL tear. The one thing about Gibbs to me that is just so intriguing, Eric, is that, I think about his season, and he very much was like, there was a lot of this DeAndre Swift kind of lingering feeling where it's like, man, you just used a first-round pick on this guy. Drafted him high in the first round. And it's like, early in the year, he wasn't even getting any run, you know? And then, finally, there was an injury to Montgomery, and uh, Gibbs did so much that he, he gave Dan Campbell no choice. Like, now he has to become at least a part, a staple of this, of this offense, and honestly, the, the way I saw his just his game evolve, and the way every time this is to me, Eric, this guy that he really presents, I think what could be the most efficient running back that we've ever seen. Period. Like this guy, he, he had over five yards of carry. He had over six yards of, a touch when he was getting a reception. Um, and there's plenty of times where I think about the games where he got like hit in the backfield still tons of times. Yeah. He was just st- still getting hit back there. So when he's in space, he's just so dangerous. Oh yeah. And I do think that if you wanted to put Brees and Bijan ahead, I can totally understand it because you just look and you, you would say typically like, I think their bodies are a little more able to take on this workhorse role if it was to happen. Right. Right. Brees, we, we saw it down the stretch there. Bijan, I think no one doubts that he could handle that. My only my only concern would be that if those guys ahead um, don't necessarily get that true you know full workhorse role because I I don't know that anyone can be as efficient as Jameer Gibbs is starting to look and and to me it's to the point of I'm just kind of banking that overall as we move forward almost no running backs are going to have a true workhorse role and if that's the case I want to lean the, the 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 Jameer Gibbs side where I think he's going to be as efficient if more not efficient than anyone else out there. Yeah, I, I can see that argument too, but I also think 
the reason that Gibbs is so efficient is because they have David Montgomery too. For sure. They're not overusing Gibbs to the point Agreed. where he's worn down. So it's Agreed. allowing Gibbs to be that super efficient running back, which I absolutely love. So Agreed. hopefully Detroit stays with this combination and they can keep it going here for a couple of years. Um, I think like a Tony Pollard plus where like you yeah. don't you, you want to see him in a role where he's getting – a little bit more than half or roughly half, you know, like maybe 60% tops because you want him to be fresh. You do not want I I don't know. Jameer Gibbs if you gave Jameer Gibbs a full workload as a as a workhorse, I don't think anyone's going to be mad about it, but I definitely don't know that the efficiency stays as high. I t- I completely agree with you. So I almost prefer that yeah. he's in that role where it's a he's a 1A maybe at best, right? But there's someone getting that mm-hmm. very good workload on the backside. And I I don't Want to say Pollard or uh, Gibbs could be become Pollard? Like if if it was just a Jameer Gibbs show, and you know we saw what Pollard did last year, it wasn't as explosive and as great as we thought it was going to be. Sure. So I'm kind of worried about that for Gibbs too. If Montgomery, you know, keeps missing these games, but right, I'm not, I, I'm not that worried about where I'm going to, you know, discount uh, Jameer Gibbs here. No. And then, um, we both have McCaffrey four, so I think you got to have him in tier one. I'm fine having him at the back of the tier, but if you're just playing year to year, I think McCaffrey's probably number one on my list. No, that that's the honest that that's where for me, like I almost actually because of the time of the year it is right now, Eric, I almost put him in tier two. And the only thing about it is where I I couldn't do it ultimately. I, I got him put him in tier one. Here here's the thing about it right now. If I have a guy like McCaffrey, if I could actually move him. For value that, like I could move a Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, he's gone right. every single time. The problem is right now, like I feel like he's kind of a an asset that you can't move and is not as appealing because it's February. Everybody's going to be talking about the combine here soon. Everyone's going to be talking about the the draft coming up, and it's all this rookie hype. Mm. But again, once we get to you know training camps here, it you want to put Christian McCaffrey at one. I'm not going to fight you, right? You know, and if you're talking about more of a year or two window, go to the go to the Devontae Adams and um, you know, Stephon Diggs conversation we're having earlier. If we're talking about it in more of a mindset of we're playing dynasty, but I'm looking at one to two year window, I Chris McCaffrey stays healthy, I could see him being the RB one overall for the next two years again. So Yeah. It, it's more so just a timing thing for me. Like because because we're so far from the season, I'd rather not have a guy like CMC. The other thing I don't knock on wood, but we saw this with, you know, Cam Akers in the summer. All of a sudden, like, if, if, if CMC caught an injury on a random thing this offseason, mm-hmm. it's it, devastating to his value. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, um, that's, where, that's where we have him. Yeah, so, all right, we're, we're going to kick off the Tier 2 now. And in Tier 2, you only have one guy, which is Jonathan Taylor. And then in my Tier 2, I also have Jonathan Taylor kicking it off. Uh, but I also have Devin Achain and Kyron Williams in my Tier 2 as well. Okay. Um so I think you have um, Kyron. I have Kyron at seven. You have him at ten. Ten, yep. So you have a couple other guys ab- above him. Yep. Um, man, I I really like Kyron Williams. So uh, do I. Don't don't let my ranking uh, deceive you from my Kyron love too. But go ahead. Right. I'm listening. Um, he, you know, a lot of people, including me, like saw those workout scores and everything after the combine, and we're like, woof, we're out. Um, and then I started, you know, it, it started, the drum beat started about his rookie year. 
going into week one where it sounded like he was going to have a pretty big role even over Cam Akers, and that's when all the Cam Akers stuff started where, you know, the Rams were maybe moving on from him. Kyron gets hurt the first game, first kickoff, and it kind of just ruined Kyron's season from there. Yeah. So coming into this year, like, I kept that in the back of my mind that, hey, they really like Kyron Williams. They really value him. And I think he's going to end up being one of the guys that's, you know, they, they really count on over Cam Akers. So I had Kyron on a bunch of teams still, you know, drafted him late. People dropped him in leagues, like, after his rookie year, and I picked him up for free. Sure. Um, I mean, he was, to, to your point, he was a 21st pick, 21st round pick in startups. So, like, exactly, he was it free. wasn't like people were, you know, even when the season started, very, very high on Kyron Williams, to your point. Absolutely. Right. And he just – he was a just monster in fantasy leagues this year. PPR, half PPR, no PPR, fucking point – you know, seven points per carry in the, in the state of California leagues. You know, whatever <laughs> it was, dude, he fucking killed it in every single league. Sure. Um, yeah, he, he was a beast last year, man. No, and no just, debate. No debate at all. Yeah, I mean, still, he's 23 years old. He's still locked into that offense. Do I think the Rams are going to address maybe a backup, a little better of a backup? Sure, they could draft somebody. I mean, Zach Evans is still there. You know, like, they didn't cut him or anything, so they still value him. Sure. Uh, maybe Zach Evans improves and he's the backup. Like, Ronnie Rivers is just a guy, nothing special. They had Royce Freeman there for a little bit, too. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. Yeah, um, but I just don't see much competition there for Kyron because he he does everything so well. So for Dynasty, in my opinion, I think he's going to be he's right outside this first tier, and he should be ready to rock and roll. So I, I really like Kyron. Um, we both had Taylor there, and then I had the chain, which yours your six guy. So he's kind of in tier two. You know, he's just, you have him in tier three at the top of it. So um, I I think you just got to put a chain there. Like he was such a Great PPR back this year. I think he had 50-something catches. Um, and that's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. Um, once, you know, Miami is going to have to probably improve their offensive line here a little bit, so that'll help. And just yeah. the way that Miami plays football, man, um, I think a chain is set up for multiple years of success um, in big fantasy games. Yeah, no question. I think um, for me, the, the reason I have my tier two as a single player, right, is I look at a guy like Jonathan Taylor and I think about like Anthony Richardson being back. And I think that Jonathan Taylor for me, <clears throat> one is one of the guys that with the contract, like I don't view a situation like for, for example, with a chan, I really like him. We loved his efficiency. Um, the injuries I'm not really as worried about. It's going to happen for any player, but mm -hmm. I, I don't think you want him in a workhorse role. I don't think Miami does. I don't think anybody does, truthfully. Like, we could say we would all we want, but that's going to bring injuries to a body like him. Um, right. You look at Kyron Williams to me, and it's more that – I don't disagree with any of your assessment, by the way. It's The dude was unbelievable this year. And yes. one of the things that I think to um, be hesitant and to, like, heed caution here, everybody, on when, when you get real excited with this underwear Olympics – Kyron Williams is a perfect example to me of where it only should matter to a degree anymore how good you are in um, – not saying I don't care about it at all, but Kyron Williams is 
the biggest flop that I can think of at the combine. Mm -hmm. he, he he didn't check the weight you're hoping for. He subbed 200. He's small. He did not. He was not explosive. Not good in any metric. Now I don't know if this is where, you know, he maybe should have had a different advisor if he was actually 100 percent or not. But like, I mean, he, his metrics were all terrible, right? Especially then you figure in that at, in that size. But what what happens? The opportunity for him was was tremendous, and a lot of the talent that we saw in college was obviously there. So the, Kyron's still amazing to me. My, the biggest concern for me and why I have him in tier three versus tier two is, while I still think he can be a workhorse role, and McVay tends to use a workhorse back. I, I mean, how likely do we think anybody is to get an eighty three percent touch share for an NFL team? every year in and year out. So to me, it's like the opportunity is almost guaranteed to come down. Even to your point, they're probably going to address it at some point later rounds. I don't think they put a high investment on it. I still think it's Kyron's job. But if you told me his efficiency, or not his efficiency, his opportunity went from 80 to 65 or 70, all of a sudden, that's the biggest thing for me is just um, it's unlikely for him to stay that crazy high. Now, I'm not telling you I don't still like him. He's definitely still a top 10 back for me, despite everything. But <laughs> Um, his opportunity, I think, is what, what really propelled him to the top. And if he's got that, that'd be great. But I think that comes down. A-Chain's role, I think, still stays there. Taylor, with the contract, with A-Rich back, and all the explosiveness he has, like he, he's the one guy, I think, that could be very much as meaningful to any fantasy team as everyone in Tier 1 without really having to project too crazily. Like It just, mm -hmm. with the contract and with his situation, with his talent... To me, he, that's where it's a differentiating, differentiating thing. I'm not going to put him into Tier 1 because I don't think his value's there. But on a points-per-game production level, I think I think the sky is the limit for him this year. The one thing about Taylor, too, we, we've never seen him play with Anthony Richardson yet. That's what I'm saying, man. People, people are like dismissing the fact that his efficiency could go wildly higher with a guy that runs like him. Exactly. So... Uh, that's I think we both agree. That's why we have Taylor just outside of tier one. But could this time next year? Could I maybe sneak Taylor in the tier one at the back end? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No. Nope. Uh, we're on. We're on the same page. Yeah. So you know they they want to run the ball. That they're good there. You know a chain and Kyron I I think are you know worthy of being tier two guys. Yeah. Um, tier three. So you had a chain in your tier three. Etn. Kenneth Walker, Saquon Barkley, uh, Kyron Williams, Rashad White was your tier three. Yep. And then my tier three was uh, Travis Etienne led mine off. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco was next for me, who I moved up a couple spots. Uh, Rashad White, Ken Walker, Saquon Barkley, and James Cook rounded out my tier three. Yep. Um, let, let's talk Pacheco because I, I had okay. him quite higher. So, yeah. Just kind of looking at him, you know, while I was doing that startup draft made me – so I had the decision between Pacheco, Rashad White, and Kenneth Walker uh, were my three choices. And I went with Pacheco just because kind of the same thing as Brees Hall. Like, there's nobody there. Clyde's going to be gone most likely. McKinnon is a free agent as well. And it's going to be Pacheco there as the lead guy. And if you look at his stats, man, when – McKinnon was out like Pacheco was super efficient, super good uh, catching the ball, running the ball, everything. Uh, Pacheco just really uh, kind of took over there for an Andy Reid offense who loves to use their running backs. 
I think Pacheco has kind of earned, you know, being the top dog there. So I really like what Pacheco has lined up there for future years as being the main guy there. Sure, they're going to bring in another guy or two, maybe draft somebody, but I don't think it's going to take away from Pacheco. I think Pacheco has earned Mahomes' trust. He's earned that team's trust, um, especially over, like, Ken Walker, who is going to have, you know, Zach Charbonnet there. It's a new offense, new new coaching staff. I don't, I don't know how they're going to view those guys. Uh, Rashad White, yeah, Rashad White is the only show in town right now, too. I just think I like Pacheco a little bit better. They have a better offensive line. I just think Pacheco is more insulated for me. Yeah, I, I can, I can get, I can see what you're saying here. Um, I, I'll say, he, here's my biggest thing with, I guess, where I differentiate between tier three and tier four for Pacheco, James Cook. It, DeAndre Swift. It's not like I don't like these guys for the record. Right. Um, I think the people that I have in tier three, right? Now, Kenneth Walker, I think, is one that you could probably make a case or debate for. But they drafted a Charbonnet to basically not use him at all, which was kind of crazy to me. Um, I'm not going to say they didn't use him at all, but they did not give him the workload I think anyone was envisioning when they used a second-round pick on Zach Charbonnet. And here's the thing with Walker. I could see it being – a case of two tails. I, I still, the way I viewed it and the way I look at it is when healthy. Now, granted, he started dealing with some injuries late in the year, was playing a little bit. That was another up. thing, yeah. So if he's, I think when I think when he's healthy, they still kind of view him more as this back. And you can kind of see in the early part of the season, the snap percentages where he was getting a lot of this like high 60s to low 80s, right, as his snap share. And I think that is still... Even with using that pick on Charbonnet, the the role they want to use Kenneth Walker and if he can stay healthy and handle it. Now, ultimately, if his body's going to break down, Pete Carroll's not going to give it to him. Right? right. I, not even that he's he's back, but that's what you saw last year. So, I I just I think with Kenneth Walker, I think there's still a scenario with a with with all the changes they have where they use him in a one A role where it's closer to everyone in this range that I have in tier three. Travis Etienne, I think, is one of the guys that gets closer to a workhorse role. Um, Saquon Barkley, same thing. Kyron Williams and Rashad White. All you're seeing is like they're going to be the guy that they want on the field most most often, almost every time, three downs. I think with Pacheco, he has actually shown the ability to do it, but it's just over time if you look at the way they've had him used, they would like to use him really more in this two-down grinder role, and that's the biggest thing for me is will that change or not. I'm not saying it can or it can't, I right now I don't pencil him as in as a secure um, three down workload. I think that right now they'd like to bring him off the field on third downs. If that was to change, if I knew for sure, because a lot of a lot of the way I'm going to tier players in these ranges is just going to come down to opportunity, and then, then year in and year out. To your point, one year windows. If Pacheco was a guy that's going to get seventy percent workload on this Chiefs offense. He, he's definitely in tier three for me right now. I like I kind of look at it as more as he's going to be playing that sixty percent, fifty five percent workload. Definitely could have a lot of boomer bust weeks, but every single week you may not get the same well, type of efficiency because his, his opportunities may be a little bit lower. Yeah, it depends on who they bring in, if anybody. Too. Correct. So correct. If C H and McKinnon are both gone, then. It could Jack be got higher. Seventy percent. Yeah. That then that, um, that's where it's so hard to say right now. Like, I, I love talking running backs, by the way. But like, 
it, to your point, if if McKinnon walks, Ceh walks, and they don't bring in someone that's a opportunity like a very good third down guy, a guy that is good in pass pro, maybe Pacheco does take that leap, and then I would definitely yeah. adjust my rankings for the record. Right. Another guy I would adjust my rankings on too is Barkley. Um, if he does sign somewhere better this offseason, I'm pulling yours like, up. Where do you have him? I'm curious. I have him twelfth in the tier three. Okay, back of tier three. Okay. Yeah, so he's at the back of tier three for me. So it's not that I don't like Barkley, but it's just right now penciled in with the Giants. Obviously so, so if you if you saw a good situation for him, he goes to tier two for you. Um, I think I would. Maybe move him to the top of tier three. I could maybe put him at the back end of tier two. Okay. But it would just depend on the landing spot. Like the one really good spot that keep people keep talking about is Houston. Well, I was going to say Houston. Houston is like top of the list, right? Like. Right. Yeah. So we don't know if he would end up there, but even just a, a you know a better spot, I would definitely have him over Ken Walker. I definitely would have him over Rashad White. Uh, over Pacheco and Etienne, I think that's where I think I would pencil him in. But I think I would definitely move him up at least two spots, if not more. It's fair. I, I, I think Barkley, to me, and this is one of those things that would be interesting to see. If you look, he outside of McCaffrey, he's the one guy where the range of age just looks different when you look at our sheet, right? I was already right. turned 27. He's getting older. But of the guys, that if, like if you bring in Saquon Barkley, to me, Regardless of what you're paying him, like you're gonna have to pay him something. We know that. I mean, mm-hmm. the Giants are already talking about using the second franchise tag, which to me would be crazy. I would almost love to see it. Mm-hmm. You, you bring a guy like him in, you almost owe it to yourself to use him like a workhorse role because he right, is just right. so athletic and so different and can do such a multitude of things. And if I think about that, like even when the Giants' role for him, and not not the role, the situation for him has been rough. Saquon's been out there all the time. It's just so hard to see guys that are going to see that many opportunities anywhere. And so for me, even despite the age, I, I can't really drop him outside of my top 10, 12. You have him in top 12 too, so it's we're not very different on that. All right, so moving on to your tier four now. Um, so we could talk about James Cook now if you want. He was your top of your tier four. You have Pacheco. DeAndre Swift and Josh Jacobs in your tier four. And my tier four, I have Josh Jacobs leading it off. DeAndre Swift and Javante Williams is my my, uh, four. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, if you want to go ahead and talk about James Cook or any of those other guys. Yeah, I think, you know, James Cook's interesting to me. Um, You you feel like, anyway, with this Bills offense, like, all right. And we we started to see it with the change in the offensive philosophy in the second Mm -hmm. half. Like James Cook's getting workload, and you're starting to see, man, this guy, this guy could be awesome for fantasy. I, I still, I guess, Eric, the reason I have him in four, like he, he's one of these guys. It's it's so tough because I I see the scenario where, man, James Cook kind of explodes next year. Like I, yeah. I, I can I can see it in my head, but at the same time, like I haven't seen it for a full season. I've seen it for kind of a half second half of the year, and. I'm, I, I guess ultimately, this is not bad on him. By the way, I have him 12 overall in my rankings. Right, I right. still like James Cook, but if I'm the reason I put him in four versus tier three to me is like I, I guess I, he's still got to earn it for me. He's got to show me a little bit more on a bigger um, sample size right. that he's actually going to be consistent. I, I right. love the upside of of James Cook. 
but I'm kind of just a little bit skeptical in this range, to be completely honest. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I was, wasn't was a big James Cook fan for just reasons that I thought his body type and all that, like he wasn't going to be a workhorse. Right. Like, I never thought, like I think I said this maybe on America's Game or somewhere else, that I don't think he would ever get above 15 carries in a game ever. And he had like a twenty five carry game last year. So I mean I, I probably would have been on that. I probably would have been with you. Maybe not ever, but I would have been like fifteen touches is probably his ceiling. No, no I'm not even talking talk, I'm talking carries. I know yeah, you were saying, yep, I get you. Because like I don't I think he only had like above ten carries like maybe five or six times in college. Sure. In a game. So it wasn't very many. So I was like I think he's like just a complimentary back and I still kinda think he is. I don't trust like like him running the ball 250, 300 times, like I think he's going to break down doing that, but he's, you know, he's getting the touches, he's getting the carries. He proved he could hold up to the workload this year because he didn't get hurt. So Right, I was going to say he had he had almost 250 this year. And I remember there was two games, I don't have his game log up or anything, but I remember there was two games in particular where Buffalo was trailing really poor, like really bad and he got like well less than 10 carries in those two specific outings so right like i could he, he's right now he's penciling in to be a guy that's getting like eric if you told me 250 225 to 250 carries not touches carries coming from this guy again next year mm-hmm. that's why i can't i can't put him outside my top like 15 i mean I'm, I'm looking at his game log now and so if we did the 15 carry uh thresh mark that i was <laughs> talking about i bet you we did that two, half of the season eight eight seven eight times one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, yeah. Okay. So, and then the other games that I'm not counting, 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, you know, he's right there. So He's averaging he at least 15, right. Yeah, he averaged or uh, had 237 total carries, and then he had another 44 catches on top of it. So, he was pretty damn close to 300 touches this yeah, year. Yeah, he's 275 touches roughly. That's yeah. that's a elite workload. Yeah. So the only other problem with him, though, he only had two rushing touchdowns the whole year. Well, that's that is, is a, that was going to be my second point, and I think overall we saw that the workload probably is going to come. Now, to me, I still want to make sure I see it more mm-hmm. because the the one thing I will say, Eric, was if you go back, you have the game log up. I think yep. in the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, uh, to me. It may look similar, but you saw at least two or three games in the second half of the season where they le- they really leaned on him, like eighteen yes. to twenty touches in a game, right? Or yeah, not touches, it, carries. It started kind of for me was that Dallas game, week fifteen, twenty five carries, one hundred seventy nine yards in the touchdown, uh, two catches, forty two yards in a touchdown against the Chiefs, five catches, eighty three yards in a touchdown. Chargers the following week, twenty for seventy. Um, last two games weren't that great, but yeah, I mean, he was getting leaned on quite a bit, like the last couple of weeks before their buy. Yeah. Um, and then coming out of the buy is really when he started to take off for sure. And I, and I think and he I, also had a five carry minus four yard game too. So. Oh, wow. I actually, I, I know that you say that. I kind of do remember that. Um, the one thing, so, so to your point, right? The, like, I saw the second half of the year. If if they're going to lean on him like that in a full season, he's going to go up in my tier three. But I will I will admit, like the 
I'm a little skeptical of the workload staying this way for a full season. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my first reason. Well, the second reason is going to be that it's okay. Go, go let me let me just pull up my rankings to give to give context to this. Sure. Achan maybe isn't the goal linebacker, but we saw him actually get plenty of carries and opportunities inside the red zone in the goal and the like goal to goes situations. Etienne, Walker, Barkley, Kyron, even Rashad White. N- nobody in this range, Pacheco, is like, we're going to take you off the field in the red zone. That doesn't even touch the fact that if he was getting that opportunity, let's say, next year, Josh Allen is almost the feature goal line back. Like, that's part of the scary part for me with is the upside is I don't know where we project it. Like, I've got player profiler up here. I was trying to get to it. Uh-huh. Red zone touches. He had four red zone touches last year. Yeah. I mean, Not that's great, crazy, man. You know? Yeah. That's – you're going to have a hard time even scoring two. I mean, his touchdowns are going to well, come from he's distance. Never gonna be, he's never going to be the goal linebacker. They have this uh, 250-, 60-pound monster named Josh Allen that exactly. runs over at the goal line. Exactly. So he's never going to be the goal linebacker. Um, so yeah, I can maybe move him down to tier four just based off of that. Um, but he did do some good receiving work. So his receiving work is you, great. Yeah. Fair. If you look at his game long, it, you know, it's kind of when Ken Dors or, uh, Joe Dorsey took over. Uh, yeah. Joe Dorsey, Joe Brady, took Joe Brady over. took over. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the offensive coordinator rule. So, you know, he's putting up double digit points pretty much the rest of the year after that. Um, for sure. So yeah, and I mean I the receiving, the receiving, like that's the other thing in the second half of the year too, right? Not only where the carries coming up, but you look and you're looking at even with a guy like Josh Allen, that was one of the one of the concerns was not just that, but like is his, is Josh Allen really going to be a checkdown guy? Almost it seems like with the contract, maybe he's a little more willing to check the ball down because you got you know multiple games where he's got over five, he's got six six catches for fifty seven, five for eighty three, two for forty two. Mm-hmm. Like you start getting that type of back. Uh, that's using that type of a workload on receiving, it's going to really uh, raise your floor. So he, he's a polarizing one, I'm going to guess, for a lot of people because of how different it could be based on the way you view it. Yeah. Um, the other two guys in my tier four I kind of wanted to talk to you about, Josh Jacobs and Javante Williams. Um, man, Josh Jacobs, I still really like. I think uh, he's in your tier four as well. I think he, I think he ends up back with the Raiders. I think... They like him. I think they can work out a contract there, hopefully. We'll see how that goes. Um, but, man, just he is very efficient, too. Like, he could catch the ball. Uh, once he gets rolling, man, and, and running the ball, I just think even if he went to another team, like, I don't think he's that far off from what Barkley could do. Okay. So, I'm going to – I'm leaving Josh Jacobs up there. I think he's – a very underrated guy in Dynasty too. Maybe a guy that I should, you know, go look around for. Maybe I can buy him on the a little bit of a cheaper discount than like what a Barkley would cost. So, um, what, what's your thoughts on Jacobs? Yeah, I, I think I'll be honest. I'm 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 a little bit worried now. Okay. A, until he proves me wrong, like I, I I'm not I can't put him outside of this tier. I have him at 14. What I saw, like, for it's been it's been almost two years. I've been kind of, like, 
with the Zamir White thing. It wasn't even Zamir White more so. Like, I've been waiting to see if there was an opportunity for him to come off the field and what that would look like. And when I saw that Zamir White was as efficient and as good as he was this year, um, when uh, Barkley, when Jacobs missed time. And the other thing I will say is Jacobs is now, I believe, 26. Um, uh, yeah, he just turned 26 in February. Okay. So he's 26 this year. He'll be – he's completely off the first-round contract now, right? Um, yep. And to this point, like, he has gotten a lot of wear. Um, he didn't have a lot of wear coming out of college, but he has a lot of wear and tear um, mm-hmm. playing with the Raiders. And this year, to me, I felt like I started to see a lot of efficiency decline. And that is my biggest concern is if he's not if he's going to be efficient, I think what a team could say, hey, we're going to give you the full, you know, you're, you're our three down guy. But if that efficiency is not where it once was in a new situation, like that's where I feel like I could almost have him a little overvalued right now. Um, and if you're in Vegas and you're like, man, Josh Jacobs, we had this whole offseason issue last year with him. He wants something well beyond what we're willing to give him. Zamir White was fine. We'll bring in other other guys to compliment, and we'll just kind of go running back by committee. I could kind of see that situation being the case. So it's not that I'm out on him. I'm just a little – I'm cautiously mm-hmm. hesitant, I guess I should say, with a guy like Jacobs. Yeah, I, I guess we can see what the new offensive coordinator would do. I don't I don't remember if they changed offensive coordinators or not, but I know obviously they you know give uh, Pierce the head coaching job, and he wants to run the ball. He comes from the Tom Coughlin kind of coaching where – you know, the, he cares about the run game. They care about the trenches. So I think they're going to focus on that. Obviously, they, you know, had Garoppolo at points, and then uh, Aiden O'Connell <laughs> came in. So it's like, wasn't like. It was Luke Getzey, was, by the way, the uh, new OC. That's right. That's right. Getzey was there. Um, so obviously, he, you know, running the ball there in Chicago. Um, yep. I think it's going to be a good fit if Jacobs goes there. But they're also a team that. They, you know, they've we talked about Zamir White. They fucking never used him for two years until Jacobs got hurt. And yeah, I know. And then they gave Zimmer him the White. whole, and then they gave him the whole, the whole lion's share. It's crazy. Yeah, and he was great. So that's why I, I have Zamir White kind of high in my rankings. CSMI. But I'm gonna drop Zamir White down though if um, Jacobs does come back. Well, this uh, is where I was gonna ask you. Okay, because I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this too, and I think this is something people haven't really considered as much. Mm-hmm. Zamir White couldn't, for whatever reason, could not, like, earn, honestly, even complimentary work, right? It was just like, we're giving Jacobs everything. Right. Uh, Did Zamir White do enough, especially considering the coaching staff is the one that used him, at least Pierce, did he earn enough to at least, like, split the backfield? Like, I think that could end up being the worst-case scenario for Jacobs. I don't want to say split, but I could see... Like 60-40? 70-30, and those are the only two guys they use. I mean, if it's 70-30, I think that's still plenty fine for Jacobs. I mean, yeah, I, I think, honestly, what I would do is I would, you know, do what most of these teams do. You give Jacobs two drives, and then Zamir White gets a drive. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean, I, how I would the, the reason I say that, and I want to just highlight one of the problems or, or things I think to think about with Jacobs. Opportunities or touches per game last year. Mm-hmm. 20.8, Josh Jacobs. For, for, like, context, Kyron Williams, 21.7. Uh, McCaffrey, 21.2. Saquon, 20.6. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say here is if his workload is in that, like, elite tier, I probably am too low on him. But 
if you told me this goes to 16, let's let's say they took away four touches, five touches a game, all of a sudden that's, you know, Ramondre Stevenson range, Chuba Hubbard range. Right, like right. it's if Zamir White takes enough of the workload away from Jacobs just because it's like almost giving him a little bit of a rest because he's getting older, all of a sudden in fantasy that might not be what we like, especially if this offense, right. we have no idea what this offense is going to look like. Remember when we had Jacobs two years removed, Carr was still there when he had that great season. The offense was a lot more efficient. We don't even know what this offense looks like. Right. I I mean, they didn't use Jacobs in the passing game as much as they did the previous year where he exploded. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that Jacobs can pick up some more in the receiving game a little bit here. That will be a big thing, too. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I had was Javante. And that's just purely off of, man, I didn't think this guy was going to be ready for the start of the season. And this fucker came out. With that torn ass knee, and was ready for training camp like first day. Yeah, and that was like whoa. Yeah, multi ligament knee have, injury and played yeah. the whole season, bro. Yeah, he was like he might have missed the one game or one game. Yep. I think mm-hmm. one game uh, was you know not banged up that much. Didn't have like the greatest season ever. Like it was a lot of sixty yard, fifty yard games and stuff, but. This dude played through that. Um, he's going to have a healthy offseason this year uh, to get stronger in that leg again and get back to where he was. I'm just I'm banking on that kind of little bit of upside that Javante is going to get back to the old Javante from when you know he came out of North Carolina a little bit. So yeah. that's why I put Javante up there. And okay. obviously Sean Payton does like to run the ball. Um, and I don't think they don't have very many draft picks. I don't think they're going to be able to afford to take a running back in this draft. So I think it's going to be Javante and Jaleel McLaughlin and maybe one other guy they bring in. Um, so I, I, I really like Javante this year, especially getting a full offseason to be healthy and get ready to rock and roll. So uh, a little bit higher on Javante. And he's still younger compared to a lot of these guys in, like, our next tier, the, the Camaras, the Mixons, the James Connors. You know, they're all in their 26, 27, 28 range, whereas Javante's still only 23. Yeah. I, I'll i be honest. Javante's such a tough one for me um, on, on a few different levels, right? And here's what I'll say. Javante, if you guys remember, like, coming out he his first year was total split backfield with him and melvin gordon and finally there was a game where melvin gordon missed time and it was versus kansas city in a primetime game and the guy i mean dude went bananas absolute balled out of control you're like holy crap his dynasty value basically like surged immediately there coming into the next year when gordon was gone it was like all right like this is going to be the javante show and it started that way russell wilson's first year there but then he had the multi-ligament injury early Here's the one thing I'll say about like looking over historically for him, for what I'm projecting. This is where it's tough. I I think he has all the ability, um, tantalizing upside, bruising back, but also like a little bit of finesse in the passing game. Mm -hmm. So I could see three downs. But one thing that that I constantly, and I know last year it's like he's coming off this injury, but Eric, it's like, man, this guy really did not, he's yet to show in any what of a consistent basis that he's a guy that's going to be trusted to have a 70-plus percent workload. Literally, if right. you look across his entire body of work, that's happened one time. So if I just – if I try to take my bias out of it, like I love the the guy as a talent, but if I come in and say he's n- maybe not guaranteed to get that workload, but then couple that with this. 
what in the world does this Broncos team look like this coming year? I mean, you're talking about right yeah. now. They don't have – you have no idea what their quarterback play is. You have no idea if they're going to end up having to try to tear it down or not. You have no idea if they're going to be trying to compete. Um, they're old at receiver. Jerry Judy hasn't really hit much of what we want. The other thing is Javante, as a second-round pick, very well could be moving on to a totally new situation after this year. So, like, for me, it's uncertain workload on the team, uncertain offense, uncertain team, period, and then future uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I go to evaluate this year, I have a hard time pushing them into Tier 4. When I go to evaluate beyond this year, I have a hard time knowing what the hell that looks like. It's just, for me, I guess I'm the reason I have them a little lower is all this, like, lack of clarity, for me, I'm going to err on the side of I don't want to get burnt. But I absolutely acknowledge that this is a talented kid that could end up being finally the year that he pays off. Yeah, I I think one of the main points for me with Javante is I'm banking on Sean Payton, the way that Sean Payton has used running backs in the past, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Deuce McAllister, uh, you know, Reggie Bush, all these guys go on and on and on of these running backs that uh, Sean Payton has used in his career. And I just think – this is going to be another guy in, in that list that's going to be able to contribute, even if you know the quarterback play isn't great or their offensive line isn't great. They're gonna they're gonna figure it out. They're gonna get it right there with Denver. They have to. I mean, they basically gave Sean Payton, you know, the keys of the kingdom here. So yeah, no question, bro. Yeah. So, um, all right. So our massive tier five. You have a massive tier five. Uh, Huge. Of yeah. Almost fifteen guys. So we'll go through it here real quick. Yeah. Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Tajay Spears, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, James Connor, Brian Robinson, Tony Pollard, Jalen Warren, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, and Ramondre Stevenson. And then my tier five is pretty decent size as well. I have David Montgomery leading it off, Brian Robinson, Najee Harris, Tajay Spears, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Joe Mixon, James Conner, Jalen Warren, Alvin Kamara, and Nick Chubb. Um, pretty much tier five is everybody's the same. I think I have Chubb in there, and I think the rest of our guys are all in there. So yeah, um, I'll let you go ahead and, and pick anybody in your tier five uh, that you want to talk about here. Yeah, I mean, this is such a massive tier. And I guess for me, the reason I have it all here is like. They're all kind I, of the same. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I have a hard time telling you that I feel confident enough where like just single year that any one of these guys is guaranteed yeah, or like should be out of, this, could, out of this out of this year range. This offseason. Right. Now, I could make cases for all of them why they should at least be in this tier. Like you brought mm-hmm. up Nick Chubb. I Nick Chubb for me, it's like the age. I love him. The the age and coming off of an injury that serious, it's. I that's why I have him down a couple spots. Like I'm just, I'm I'm a little hesitant there. If he's healthy or even remotely healthy, uh, he's gonna be a big value, (laughs) big time. Yeah. Now, like everybody in this range, though, and I think there's a couple I'll I'll highlight here that are gonna be very interesting. To me, Austin Eckler is getting to the point where I'm kind of curious. The sentiment around him after being so inefficient this year, where I think it was clear that he was not playing healthy, right? Right. Like if he's become if he becomes somebody that people just want to toss and get rid of, I think his game, his workload won't be what it once was. But I think this is a guy that just his receiving prowess, he could actually kind of like age pretty decent for you at the running back position in this range. So 
um, mildly like sniffing around for Eckler on people that are panicked. Uh, I've seen enough of it in leagues. I've seen a couple trades where I'm like, man, I should I should probably explore. And I don't like buying running backs this type of year. But if people are are trading him away for like a single 25 second that could be late, like on a contender, I don't hate that. Sometimes I've seen him go for a few thirds. Like it's crazy. Uh, people are very out on Eckler. Yeah. So. I don't mind shopping for him on a contender. He's he's going to end up on a new team, too. So I think right. that has a lot to do with it. But also, this is the time to go and buy him now before he does get that new team. And, like, say, uh, Kansas City picks him up. And he's, you know, the receiving back now for Kansas City. Like, he's What if he goes to Houston? Yeah, he goes to Houston. Somebody like that. Right. Um, his value is only going to shoot up. So that actually is a, is a good point. Maybe – because I have Eckler in the next tier down in, in tier six because, like you said, the efficient, inefficiency, older, uh, almost going to be 29 going into the season. So I agree with you on that. So maybe that is a guy um, we can all explore to see if we can pick up for cheap because I'll send a 25-second for him. I think that's a good deal. Yeah, I, and I, I, it's one of those where, like, listen, I get it too, right? You might want the leverage in season. You might rather prefer to buy your back that's um, – you have a little more certainty of in the season. But for me, like Eckler, he's one of the few guys in this range where I feel like if he's coming off of this uh, really bad finish and people are ready to toss him to the wolves, I just think his receiving upside in PPR leagues warrants sh- sniffing around for. I think another one that's going to be very interesting, in my, and I have him in this range of Tier 5, is Raheem Mostert. I mean, dude's going to be 32, but yeah, <laughs> the dude was... I put it like this. He he has a pretty low overall like wear and tear. This offensive scheme seems to really trust him. Mm-hmm. And again, in a one-year window, why not Raheem Mostert again? So uh, just okay. I'd be curious to see what happens there. Okay. Uh, I think the one that I want to talk about, I think a lot of people are talking about, is Tajay Spears. Okay, let's do, let's so, do it. So uh, sounds like Derrick Henry's going to be gone, and it sounds like Tajay Spears is going to be the guy there. Kind of listen to their GM talk about him this week at the combine. Like they talked about, like he's that dude, basically. So um, it sounds like Spears is at least going to be the the main piece of that committee. I'm sure they're going to bring in another guy or two there uh, to help out. But it sounds like Spears is going to be the main guy, and this is the kind of guy where you got to get on him now, or he's going to pass you by, and you're not going to have any of them. But the price might be. You know, a little higher than it is right now. If I can get him for us, you know, the 201, okay, here you go. I'll, I'll give it to him and, and kind of bank on Tajay Spears having having this really good year because it's like the drum beat is starting already, and usually, you know, these drum beats usually are pretty accurate. So Yeah. I mean, it to me it would be interesting to see because th- this is this is with, with Spears what's interesting to me is that, like, I already have him at running back 18, and it feels mm-hmm. – he, he's at the spot where I'm, I feel uncomfortable ranking him that high just because he, – here's the reason I say that. I feel like at this point, we're already – I'm already – my price is already reflective of he is the guy, and I'm not even 100% sure that that comes to pass. Now, I think it's the way it is, and that's why I have him ranked there. But what if somehow they end up bringing Henry back? Or what if he doesn't actually get the – the massive workload that we're hoping for. What if he ends up being, you know, running back 18 where I have him ranked and, and touches like, right. I, I think he really looked good in his first year for the record. I love a lot of his game. I think his receiving upside is also great. I think he's a 
very talented back. But again, this is kind of almost with the Javante Williams thing. What does this offense really look like this year? Like, where is this team this year? And are we just, because of the potential workload for a guy like him, are we kind of inflating him to the point where it's going to be hard for him to even maintain that value? That's, that's I think, ultimately the question that everybody should be asking themselves right now. Well, us, this is actually a good thing that you're on here. Being Browns fans, mm-hmm. um, Tajay Spears is getting what I think might be the secret weapon this year. And let's say at pick seven here, they draft an offensive tackle, you know, Joe Walter, whoever it is, yeah, yeah. Raider or Fashanu. You know where I'm getting at here or no? I, I think so, but keep going. They have this guy. His name's Bill Callahan. There we go, baby. The, there we the go. The father of Brian Callahan now. All right. They got the best offensive line coach in the league. Yep. It's Bill Callahan. Yep. Um, We've seen it here with Cleveland since Stefanski showed up. Um, he turned Wyatt Teller into a pro bowler. He turned, you know, Joel Batonio was already a stud. He, he became even better. Uh, Jedrick Wills wasn't bad. Uh, Jack Conklin was really good when he's not fucking injured. Yeah, man. Um, he's done know, an unbelievable job. Ethan Posick's been pretty pretty decent i was like just the, he was the main guy i was thinking of poaching yeah. man he he's coming from seattle he seemed like he was going to be dead like dead to the nfl mm-hmm. honestly and he looked very good for us right we had a top five offensive line pretty much every year that callahan was here big and time he, he's this guy awesome. knows how to coach offensive linemen he already is going to have uh, peter skaronsky who they drafted last year who's very good um, if they get Joe Alt or Fashanu, whoever that they prefer there, um, obviously they're going to have to work on some of those other positions. But he gets the best out of these linemen, and he can find late round linemen, undrafted guys, uh, maybe even a trade because like they traded for Wyatt Teller, and look what the hell he did with Wyatt Teller, made him into a goddamn Pro Bowler. Yeah. So um, I think that's going to really help Tajay Spears if they can get this offensive line from complete dog shit to at least average. Right. Um, I'm not expecting miracles because this offensive line is pretty bad. Um, but if they For can sure. go to at least league average, I think Tajay Spears should have a pretty good year. So that's another reason why I am going to be higher on Tajay Spears. And I also don't think you want Will Levis throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. You, I, you're going to have to have a balanced attack. I would agree. I don't think you want that. I also think – to that point, I think the ten, the Titans, no matter what the team looks like, is going to uh, – th- th- it signals with him as the O-line coach, right? Like, they want to run the ball, and it's kind of been the case for – I mean, how long has that been the case for this team in general? It's been, right. been a while now. So, mm-hmm. I, I will say, though, that's kind of what also worries me in a way. Like, man, what, what if Henry's back? Because they do want to run the ball. That's my yeah. only question. I don't uh, it, think I can see it. It's just, it's just right. Can I, right now? It just the problem is it feels like. To your point, I, it's tough with Tajay because if I if I didn't rank him here now, you if you don't get him now and the, and it's confirmed that Henry's gone and this is what the offense is going to look like, you you ain't going to get Tajay Spears. The price is already going to go past this point. I mean, it's already pretty damn high. Like, right. Um, let me pull up that that startup I'm in right now, and I'll tell you who he went ahead of because it was, um, pretty big here. Let's see, 
Tajay Spears, where the hell is he here? He went in round five. So he went um, ahead of Pacheco that I took, who we've already talked about. He was um, right around James Cook, Kyron Williams. So yeah, went Kyron Williams, James Cook, Tajay Spears. I took Pacheco, so he went above Rashad White, Ken Walker, Saquon Barkley, um, Josh Jacobs, and the list goes on and on. So he was above all those guys. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that there's a there's a case to be made for him here. Um, and I, I I like Tajay. I think the offense will probably end up leaning more on the on the run. I guess ultimately my question again comes down to, and the reason I have him in this tier. Can we? Can I confidently tell you right now that he's going to perform better than Brian Robinson did last year? Is he going to perform better than James yeah. Conner did last year? Is he going to perform better than even Tony Pollard did at times last year? Right, like right. that—that—that's—that's that's the issue for me. Like I, I don't get me wrong, man. I'm excited for Tajay Spears, but <laughs> am I going to put it? Do you? The, the question, like I, I don't think you have him there either yet. But like the next tier is James Cookland. Like I can't, I just can't do right. it yet. I just can't do that yet, man. I'm I don't have him far off, but I think it's, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like I think, right, agreed. You know, I I tend to try and be ahead before everybody else does. Agreed. Like, that's why, like, B. John Robinson, as soon as he came in the league, I put him at number one. Like I haven't even seen him play a game yet. I put him at number one because that's where he was getting valued. Like I his last year at fucking Texas, I had him as RB one, <laughs> and yeah. he had, he's not even in the yeah. NFL yet. I don't For even sure. know the team or anything. So like, you gotta be ahead of it because like, if you're waiting until after the draft to be like, oh okay, now I'm in on Tajay, you're not gonna get him. Late. Yeah, a hundred percent. You're you're gonna have to pay your future first to get Tajay Spears. Yeah, I mean honestly, you might even have to pay that now, frankly. Like that's yeah. people I mean, are. I don't even know if somebody's doing the 201 form right now because whoever has him liked him so much last year and drafted him. So it, that's one of those guys, like, even if you have them, maybe you can fish him out there. Can I get a 2025 first for Tajay Spears? Right. No, oh, no, no, no question. I think, I think that's where the way you just phrased it to me is where it's polarizing for Tajay. If I could find a place where I can get him and it's reasonable, I would love to do that. But at the same time, if he's getting to that price where, like, I'm getting future first, I might be packing his bags, too. So Absolutely. he's kind of right on that that cusp for me. I, I I don't know. Is there anyone else in this Tier 5 you want to talk about? Yeah, so I was going to ask if there was anyone else you wanted to talk about or even outside of our tiers that maybe you wanted to bring well, up. Well, I was going to say, that. if you didn't have anyone else, I, I was going to, like, start going to my Tier 6 and 7. And I think I, I do – the re- that Tier 5 is very long for me, Eric, but – I honestly think, to me, it signals what I feel more, more confident in projecting next year. And I know sure. it, it, even some of these will change. But the next tier of guys for me, like I could end up seeing the cases for all of them. But it really – I have no I have no true shreds of confidence in what that projection yeah, actually like, is going to look like. like yeah, the Panthers draft Jonathan Brooks in round two. Toast. Falling down so far. <laughs> look up. Look uh, at what they did with Miles Sanders. They paid Miles Sanders to be the guy. Turns out he just wasn't. Like, what if they right. decide that that's like, what they want to have this year? Right. I don't even have confidence in like Devin Singletary, like over Damian Pierce. Like, I just think maybe Pierce was hurt. Just maybe didn't know the playbook as well, or whatever. Like Singletary dominated the last half of the year. Maybe yeah. Pierce comes back. 
Okay, and then Saquon Barkley signs with Houston. Both of them are fucking dead. That, it, it's 100% <laughs> correct. Like, yeah. And to, to this point, too, like I've got both of these Chicago guys in there, Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I just – Charbonnet, I don't – I feel like he looked okay at times, but – he did not really get to earn uh, nearly as much work as I was hoping to see for him as in his rookie season. I just, I guess that's where tier five for me. There's a big difference as far as clear projecting what's going to happen next year versus what is to yeah. me like honestly, tier six is almost all overvalued guys because I think their projection workload is totally different. Right, I agree with you. I think you know you have your tier five and up is the top thirty guys, and then after that's tier six. I agree with you. Kind of looking at my rankings too, like my tier six and down are like, yeah, there's a couple guys in there I like, but there's also a couple guys that could completely fall off the face of the earth too with just one draft pick or one signee and free agency, and it's all over. Yeah, definitely. So it's tough. <laughs> Agreed. But then it's – and at the same time, it's like, all right, well, if, if the Panthers don't really address the running back situation, like maybe Chuba might be sneaky. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's – but it, it, I just I can really at this time of year I can I have a hard time giving you any shred of like real uh, reliance right. on any let's, of that stuff. Let's finish on this one. So let's say okay. from tier six down for both of us. Okay. Who's the one guy on this list that you think has the chance to catapult into at least tier five before the season starts? Okay. Oh, one guy is tough. That is a really tough question. I mean, I have mine if you want me to go first. I, I'll give you mine. I'll give you mine. I, I think there's a couple, but... I have I have at least two as well, so... Yeah, there, there's a... I'll give you this one as the one that I'm kind of rooting for and have a lot of shares of. I'm very curious to see what the Vikings do this offseason, period, just in general. Um, there's a lot of talk about them possibly, you know, round two, maybe getting a guy like Bo Nix, maybe, or a, a quarterback, because they're not sure about what to do with Cousins. Mm-hmm. If they don't address the running back position, like Ty Chandler to me might be someone that sneaks into this tier five. Like, yeah. I also do think there's a, there's a case where if they do address the running back position, Ty Chandler goes back to a one B role. And yeah, Minnesota also always has a lot of draft picks, so I would assume that they're gonna round you know three, four, five. They're gonna be digging around those running backs. I I could totally see that. I just to me. The way that he played in the second half of the year, maybe not even like almost the last third of the year, mm-hmm. he impressed. Like I think a lot of it for people that were holding on and waiting for Ty Chandler, who's also at this point twenty six years old. Mm-hmm. I, I think I saw a lot of the the receiving and running upside with him, and if he gets any type of a chance to have even a split backfield, like I think he's very valuable for a guy in the. He's outside the top 40 for most people still. So, for me, right. I, I think he's someone that is – if I have on my teams, I'm not letting go of cheap. Um, mm-hmm. And if there's any type of chance that you can get him thrown into a trade, I think he's a nice little dart throw. Right. Okay. How about um, you? So, the two that I'm not going to talk about but I'm going to mention are I really think Khalil Herbert is still the best running back there for Chicago. Okay. And I don't think they're going to address the running back spot there. I think they're fine with Herbert, Roshan. Maybe they bring back Foreman too. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Khalil Herbert is the best running back there, and I think he should get the starting job. Um, I didn't think Roshan was all that great. Like, he had opportunities, and he never really 
took the bull by the horns and, and ran with it, you know? Uh, he never did. You're definitely right. Herbert came back. He, you know, he missed like a, five games. He came back and was like, you know, right back in there with Foreman. I think when Her- uh, Herbert got hurt, Foreman came in and he was the lead guy. So, like, just kind of makes me think that Roshan is just like a complimentary, like, Almost third down back. Yeah, the third down back, give him a series, like that kind of guy. Yeah. Where I think Herbert could be a little bit better than that. The other one um, I'm going to mention that Michael Love is Antonio Gibson. I think if sure. he can get on the right team, the right scheme fit, um, to where they use his receiving ability and all that, like Antonio Gibson could be a stud somewhere, I think, still. I think at least give us another year or two where he can produce, you know, like a top running back. So I could see him getting up there, depending on landing spot. But the one I want to talk about, and it's kind of dependent on if this guy in front of him gets cut, and that's Chase Brown for the Bengals. Ooh, I I didn't think you were going to go there because I I feel like he's already a guy that's, like, getting a lot of buzz, but we're Mm -hmm. projecting now. I, I definitely get it. Uh, my by the way, you hit, you already hit my second one. So to me, it was Ty Chandler and Antonio Gibson. Those were the two. So okay. uh, go ahead yeah. and talk about Chase Brown, though. Yeah, I think if Joe Mixon gets cut, which I think a lot of people are kind of like maybe thinking could happen or kind of banking on it, um, to where the Bengals can save some money because the Bengals are going to need some money here. They got to pay Big T Higgins. They, oh well, I mean, if they can try and work on a deal with Higgins, but at least he's going to be on the franchise tag. They're going to have to pay Jamar Chase a big bag of money here soon, too. Big time. Um, so they're going to have to to find some money here, and that's not like, um, you know, the the Browns, uh, Mike Brown and, and his family uh, that own the Bengals. They they're not got, rolling they, in it, brother. Yeah, they're not roll. They're not oil people or gas people or whatever it is. You know, like Jerry Jones was. Right. Um, <laughs> They're, you know, made their money off of this franchise is where they made their money. So it's not yeah. like they they have all this money just sitting around that they can go blow it and, and don't care. So, like, they're very, you know, keep to the books on how, how to make money for this team. So Mixon could be a casualty. They already um, took a pay cut last year to keep Mixon around. Mixon had a solid year, but could this be the year that they just say, okay, uh, we're going to let him go. He's had some off-field troubles um, in the past. Um, last year was his sister was involved in some shooting on his property or something. Something crazy. I forget that yeah. whole story. There was, there was, uh, that was, it was right around there where you're like, maybe they're just going to cut this dude. Yeah, because he didn't sign because, like, uh, him and Dalvin Cook were the two. Like, what the hell's happening with him? It was, like, past free agency and past the draft. Like, you didn't know what the hell was going to happen there. Yeah. Um, so – Chase Brown is definitely a guy, I think, the start off the year, it was woof. Like, he looked absolutely fucking awful. But Mm -hmm. the last half of the year, I'd say, like, week 10 on, maybe, um, he started to get some more playing time. He got healthy. He was catching the ball really well. He was, like, taking a series, and Mixon would take off here. Um, And Chase Brown, he showed some some good stuff there. So if he, if Mixon does get cut, um, I could see Chase Brown at least being a part of a committee. Um, you know, kind of talking with Scott, we kind of theorized maybe it'd be Chase Brown and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because um, CEH is really good friends with Burrow and Jamar Chase. Sure. So maybe that Get could be the connection there. So, yeah, yeah like a Chase thing. Brown. Yeah, Chase Brown and CEH as the backfield there possibly. Um, and then in that case, I would probably choose 
I think CEH would be the starter, but I think Chase Brown would definitely have at least a Jalen Warren type role there. Yeah. Um, so Chase Brown is a guy I think could jump up um, maybe a tier or two here if if things work out for him. If he's with Mixon again, eh, he's probably in like a what a seventy thirty committee again. Kind Yo, of I was thing. just gonna say it's so funny you say that that I was I'm looking and it's just because Chase Brown had some electric plays um, right mm-hmm. in the moments that he got down the stretch like later yeah. in the year but man it what's crazy is just to go back and look joe mixon was in the top 15 running backs um from week 13 to 18 all but one yeah. and from the whole season he never fell really below a 60 percent snap share ever and right. and it just i guess to that point that that's where where i'm at with chase brown i actually agree i think the way that you kind of phrase it though is good like if if mixon leaves I think there's a chance where Chase Brown may actually get like more of a one B workload, which really like yeah, if, he'll, if you he'll think take about it, sixty percent snapshot. Exactly, yeah. and that's where it could be exciting. But man, it's like, dude, this team still really, really relied on Mixon, um, and I just I think there's a case where, if they bring in someone, whether it's Ceh, whoever it may be, that person could still be the one A, and, and Chase Brown might be penciled into more of a 40% snap share. Now, Chase Brown was electric enough that in a 40% snap share role, like you're not going to say he's a running back one or anything, but maybe he's a flex yeah. play here and there. But right. I, I just – I feel like without the certainty it's projecting it, – but there's a, here's the thing, to your point. If you want to be early, like this is probably correct price for Chase Brown because there is a chance that if it breaks right for him, he he's an, he's an easy for me in my opinion. Like it's going to be hard for him to stay exactly where he's at. If he if he gets the workload, if we feel like his workload is going to be pretty much like it was last year, he's going to come. He's going to go down. But if he gets any type of a chance to get fifty percent or more in that offense, which is really good, he's going to go through the roof in price, no question. Right, I agree with that. So that was yeah, good conversation, man. Good talk about our rankings there. If you want access to the rankings, I believe it's the eight dollar tier on Patreon. If you want to join uh, yep. South Harmon. Uh, you'll get access to these rankings, and you can kind of see what uh, Mike, Adam, myself, Koopa, Dynasty Barry, Christian, kind of see where all our consensus rankings are. They're all located on on one sheet, so you can get access to that. Um, quickly, before we start America's Favorite Game, Let's just kind go. of uh, talk about, man, the team reviews have been do- doing really good. So if you want a team review, DynastyTeamReview.com. Go there. You can sign up and get a team review. Those have been going great. Uh, so much action on the Warp Tool. Um, you know, I see the emails of people purchasing Warp Tools every day, man, and it's like 10 to 12, 15 a day. Uh, people buying the Warp Tool. It is helping out a lot of people. So if you've never checked out the Warp Tool, I highly recommend it, especially for startup season. Yeah. Like, it is so nice to, like, put your uh, – log into your sleeper there um, on the Warp Tool, see – you know, pick the league that you're starting up and see where the values are, uh, where these positions are rated uh, according to warp. And you can draft, you know, that strategy based off of that warp tool there and kind of give you the, the blueprint on, man, I need to focus on wide receivers in this draft or I need to focus on running back, whatever it is. Um, it's going to help you out uh, tremendously. Uh, so I definitely recommend doing that. If you haven't signed up for the warp tool, man, um, so much great stuff. The lab um, on there too is a free free tool. Um, startups 
helps you out tremendously. Uh, kind of just shows you, you know, league manager type tool. Really good shit on there too. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it, everything's going good. I've seen your guys' team reviews that you've done. You and Mike, um, we've been posting them on on our YouTube as well. They've been really good. How, how have you like doing the team reviews so far? I, I love doing team reviews, man. I I think. Um... Mike and I have done so many team reviews together. Uh, a lot of them we used to do in the Discord. My my favorite thing to do with team reviews personally is when the person who's on uh, owns the team or is running the team is actually on, and we, I can kind of have like some discourse with them and have them give me a little more context, go through the league. We had one uh, like that already on on the channel. I mm-hmm. think that's my favorite when you can kind of really interact with the person that's running the league, and then they get to kind of tell you. Um, certain things that you wouldn't necessarily have the context to, and then you can try to get mm-hmm. deals done for them or help really guide them in their future. But overall, man, they're 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 a blast. I'm I'm somebody that the reason I make content is because I come from being a player and wanting to play right. the game and the and the the strategic like thinking of everything and the the game theory. So for me, like I right. get to see a whole league. I get to kind of look over teams and try to give people ideas and moves to try to make. By the way, to your point, the warp tool uh, has really opened my eyes personally. It, some of the things that I've yeah. either confirmed my my bias on or or I've been way off on, the warp tool's kind of done that. So, if you're watching this or hearing this, uh, not sure or been thinking about getting the warp tool, give it a try. You can try it out for a month. If you don't like it, you can get rid of it. But I'm telling you, it's in my opinion going to be very hard to see the warp tool put put it into practice and feel like you're not getting. 10 times your money's worth, man. It's only seven bucks a month. It's, it's a great deal. Absolutely. All right. We ready to get into America's favorite game? America's favorite game, buddy. Let's do it. All right. Starting off running back month, man. Who, who's your favorite running back of all time? Well, um, RIP, what, going before this year, it was, uh, those know that it was Cam Akers for me. Unfortunately, he is not really. That was good. your favorite of all time? Uh, no, in the fantasy spectrum, the last couple seasons, um, in the last couple years, fantasy, the guy I've been pulling for, he's not my favorite running back of all time, but he was, uh, for the last few years, my guy that I've been pushing for. I mean, all time favorite running back, Eric, this is going to feel like cheesy, but it's, it just is for me. It's Barry Sanders. When I was a kid growing up, like watching Barry, there was something about just my little kid lack of understanding of the game, but at least being present enough to see like that dude is so little. And playing a game where all these guys are trying to basically go kill each other, and nobody can do anything with this little guy. Like Absolutely. it was just, it was just amazing to watch as a kid. And I remember especially on Thanksgiving because back back that 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 time you couldn't just watch anybody. So my time to always watch Barry was on Thanksgiving, and it was rare on Thanksgiving Day where he didn't at least make you like drop your jaw a couple times throughout the game. So. Barry Sanders overall is going to be my favorite. I have a lot of running backs that I got love for, but Barry Sanders is my my ultimate number one. Who's like your current favorite? It's Nick Chubb. You know, I got yeah, the jersey back I'm here. Back. Got the jersey back here. It's Nick Chubb, man. That's why it's like tough for me. I I try to take my bias out of it. I'm worried about this knee injury, but man, I, there's you're going to have a hard time finding people rooting for Nick Chubb as hard as I am. I'm, I hope right. he comes back and can do it. He's just getting so old, and that knee injury is tough. Right. One thing I did want to bring up, I forgot to mention during the show, this running back class, a lot of people think eh, it's not great. And it's not that great, to be honest. Yeah. Um, not great. Okay, I don't want to say that. Not great as in there's no, like, superstar first, second-round pick. And, <laughs> yeah, there's there no Bijan be or Jameer Gibbs, right? Yeah. 
But it is really deep, man. There's a ton of running backs in this draft. There's, I probably have, I mean, I can look at my list here real quick. Um, God, I would say maybe down to like 22 or so, like that I really, really like. Yeah. So there's some guys in this draft that are going to be coming in and uh, having some spots here. So uh, n- nobody that's like jumping out that says, oh, my God, I got to take this guy in round one of my rookie drafts. But bet your ass rounds two to five, you know, rookie drafts. I'm going to be taking some running backs, too. Big time. I think what's cool about it, though, is this is the first year where you don't have to spend up for running backs. No. So you almost no. it almost like goes into – it, it leans me to have a chance to get almost all these guys. I will say just yesterday uh, on the BDGE Dynasty channel, Nick dropped a really good um, breakdown on he, his top six running backs, and he basically was saying a lot of the same things that you said where this running back class on the high-end side isn't like, oh, my gosh, one of the best you've seen. But he basically was saying how, like, I promise you the majority of people are, are underplaying and undervaluing the, the yes. entire running back class. Yeah, there's so, – yeah, there's guys that are going to be a part of committees. There's a shit ton of them. So. Yeah, and there's and there's honestly a couple. There, there's a few talented pl- players in this class that mm-hmm. I think, with the right situation breaking their way, you will be talking about in the mix of the top three, you, four tiers in dynasty. Do you have a favorite one in the rookie class yet? <clears throat> yeah, I'm. Um, the injury still scares me, but I'm. I'm. I'm buying in more and more to Jonathan Brooks personally. Um, yeah, he he's my one. My number two, I really, really like, and that's Blake Corum. Okay, well, so what's interesting? I, you should go watch that Nick video because the one, th- the interesting part about it um, that he did that broke down, which is so true about Blake Corum and why a guy like Harbaugh just gives him every opportunity he could when there's a guy like Donovan Edwards in the same backfield. Blake Corum basically Nick said he watched a bunch of games and in every single tape, he never makes the wrong read. So right. like he he may not be the most explosive. He may not be the most talented athlete, but overall, if you're talking about a guy that's going to make the right decision and take positive yards and is falling forward as much as he is, plus he's had some upside plays, mm-hmm. and he's going to get the requisite draft capital, it looks like. It's hard yeah. to really knock a guy like Blake Quorum. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I think he's going to go on day two somewhere. I think he's at least yeah, third round, round pick. I think he's probably round three pick. Yep. Yeah, hopefully LA Chargers round three, Blake Corum. Sign yeah, me up. It already seems like he's going to play for Harbaugh. And again, they don't right? resign Eckler, and Corum is the guy. Like, I mean, if if that happens, just Blake Corum goes into some crazy land as far as Dynasty yeah, Price watch. Absolutely. It'll be fun to see. I, I like it, though. Absolutely. All right, and then uh, finishing off my America's favorite game. So I'm like you. When I was a young kid, you know, we're kind of close to the same age. Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith, those two were were, were the guys. Back Emmett then, was Emmett was that those. dude too. Yeah, um, watching both of those guys were awesome. Then when I started to really, you know, get into football, um, following it, obviously getting into the Eagles and all that. Um, I loved Deuce Staley. I loved Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook was a fucking. He was gem. unbelievable, man. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, um, late nineties, um, obviously it started about 95, but I am a huge, huge, huge Eddie George fan. Eddie George was a fucking monster. Ohio state, baby. Yeah. Dude, you you wanted to give somebody 400 carries. That was your guy. Um, and he would sustain the workload. Now he didn't last very long in the league. I mean, he lasted from like 96 to like Oh two, Oh three, whatever it was. It was like a really good back. Um, but man, that guy took 
a beating, but he was he was awesome, man. That dude was especially at Ohio State. He was a fucking just workhorse. Yeah. Uh, so he's always been he's probably my favorite all time running back is Eddie George personally. Okay. I uh, still like Westbrook and all that. Modern day, I'm with you. Nick Chubb is probably my favorite right now. Yep. Really, really like um, watching Nick Chubb run. Man, he is. There's just like a different. Uh, it's. I don't, it's, it's hard to describe his style, but it's like he kind of like glides a little bit, man. He is just yeah. like just a fucking monster, too, man. When he's yeah. Healthy. I, I, I love Nick Chubb. The, the thing about him that's so cool is he he's um, went healthy before this injury, man. He he was a guy that did tend to make all the right reads as far as like, you know, where, where he's supposed to be and getting the positive yards. He'd fall forward. He'd get you a lot of the grinder type plays where – there's not really much here, but he's you know he's trying to just put his head down, and get that two or three yards when he has to. Right. But at the same time, with that mentality, is a guy that on any given play could house a 70, 80 yard run. And right, absolutely. A guy that's like that, that doesn't have an ego to speak of at all, just in sports doesn't really happen anymore. Right. And right. it's pretty exactly. cool to see that. So Nick Chubb is hard. It's almost impossible not to like a guy like Nick Chubb, honestly. Um, absolutely. I'll say. Going back uh, to when you were going through that, the, my, my second favorite running back of all time, he never really, he never really, I think, was the guy that I, I, I honestly thought he was going to end up like for a few years being just one of the best backs of all time. He never quite got to that point. He still is one of the best running backs as far as like total stats, and he had some great seasons. But I was a big, big Fred Taylor guy back in the day too. Um, I really yeah, like Fred injuries Taylor. Injuries fucked him up, man. Yep, sure did. Um, but he still, one, he still had a pretty long career, given all that too. Another one that I uh, absolutely loved watching was Marshall Falk. Oh, Falk, well, for, Marshall Falk was like he—he's uh, hard to even call a running back. He, he was, just could do he everything. Was Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey. Right? Exactly, man. The greatest yeah, show on turf was nothing even without better. Him. Yeah, like his receiving, rushing. Yeah, he was—he was phenomenal. He was different. He was definitely a different yeah. character. Yeah, and uh, oh god, how can I forget Ladanian Tomlinson? Yeah, LT LT is is definitely gonna be would be like my third. I was in that time, LT was like I I was wearing his jersey. The, that was when the powder blues were coming back strong, right? Yeah, yeah. love love and, watching. And that. another one that does not get the love that he deserves, even though it was for a short time, was Priest Holmes. Yeah, well, they, those were the same time. Remember, they had yeah. that that same season where they just. If you didn't have either one of those guys, you had no chance of winning your league. You know? Yeah, I, I had Priest Holmes this one year when he scored like twenty something touchdowns, man, and uh, yeah, that was a nice little fantasy win that year because it was just every week two touchdowns, three touchdowns, one touchdown here, receiving touchdown here. He was, God, he was fucking great too. Yeah, the one year, uh, he had almost thirty touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. He was, yeah. That that, that was that, that was that, that was at the peak of uh, running backs matter. You know, back when it, they did matter. Yeah, yep, pretty much. So, all right, Adam, appreciate having you on, man. As always, great to have you on. Um, gonna continue running back month next week. I'm gonna have Koopa on uh, as long as the schedules and all that line up. But we'll have Koopa on talk about running back warp next week, so that'll be good. Uh, but, yeah, Adam, this has been fun, man. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, as always, with America's Game. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. So, um, until next week, guys, we'll see you. Have a good one.